Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey, before we start the show today, I want to tell you about something brand new we're launching with our friends at Apple Podcasts called The Ongoing History of New Music Unlimited. For $3.49 a month, $3.49, which is less than the price of your morning coffee, you can now get access to the full archive of our shows ad-free. Plus, you'll get brand new episodes two days early and special bonus episodes. It's Ongoing History Unlimited, and it's available right now only on Apple Podcasts. The human body is a remarkably good piece of construction. Yeah, it has its quirks and shortcomings, but for the most part, it's a pretty cool thing. Functional, durable, and to other humans, attractive. But there's always room for improvements and modifications and decorations. Archaeologists have found mummified remains that are thousands and thousands of years old that sport tattoos. There's a guy named Otzel. He was found in the Swiss Alps when a glacier melted. He'd been there for over 5,000 years. And the dude had 61 tattoos. Egyptian mummies, Pacific Islanders, members of ancient African communities, bodies dating to Iron Age Britain, early Japanese societies, and the indigenous peoples of North and South America have all engaged in this kind of body art. Tattoos have also been used to identify prisoners and slaves, to display religious connections and associations with armies, navies, bikers, and criminal gangs. But even with all this, many people still consider tattoos to carry some kind of stigma. Only deviants and weirdos get tattoos. But that's changed a lot in the last 60 years, especially since the beginning of the 21st century. Tattoos have long gone mainstream. In fact, in some circles, if you don't have any ink, you're the outsider and weirdo. This brings me to the world of rock and roll. Tattoos are everywhere, and almost no one stops with just one or two. For example, the last time anybody counted, Travis Barker of Blink-182 had 117 different and distinct tattoos from the top of his head right down to his toes. We'll get to Travis in a bit, but let's begin with a look at the history, the whole phenomenon of rock and roll tattoos. This is the Ongoing History of New Music Podcast with Alan Cross. That's the Dropkick Murphys and a track called Rose Tattoo. And a nice way to start this program on rock and roll tats. Hello again, I'm Alan Cross. Like I said, Tattoos have been with us for thousands upon thousands of years, and for decades, they've been a big part of rock and roll culture. And I'll be completely upfront with you, I don't know anything, absolutely nothing about tattoos and tattoo culture. I don't even understand the appeal. But tattoos are a big, big part of not just rock and roll, but mainstream culture now. So I brought in an expert. For years, Darren Pfeiffer was the drummer with Goldfinger and has worked with and for a ton of bands as a musician, manager, and as a producer. He's got a lot of ink himself. A lot. So maybe he can help me out on the subject. First of all, how many tattoos do you have? I don't think that's possible to answer that question, Alan. I lost count. When, especially when you get one, you get two, you get three on the arm, and then they start to run into each other. And then you get a tattoo artist to blend it together with waves or stars or clouds or then it kind of becomes what's known as a sleeve. You got a sleeve, like as you can see, 
So both my arms are sleeved up. Um, one turned into five, five turned into 20. And then at some point I just lost track. Well, and you've got them all up and down your legs too. Correct. And on my back. Okay. So why Nothing on the next, because I, 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 I'm a big fan of gainful employment. Right. So you don't want to have it coming up your neck and onto your face and onto your skull. Yeah. I don't want to get an interview, go into an interview and the guys like, or the girls like, Hey, so you have a bulldog on your neck. Tell me about that. <laughs> so when did you first start getting inked up? My first tattoo, I believe, when I was 18. I graduated high school before I started to get ink. And my mom noticed it in line at the DMV. I, went, I took her to the DMV and, she, and it, she saw the Irish guy on my arm poking out. And she was like, is that a tattoo? And she knew that I was going to run with it and go crazy. What was the appeal? Why would you get one in the first place? I don't really know how to answer that question. Um, I guess it looked cool. It looked fun. And my first tattoo was the Fighting Irish. Still a big fan of all, all things Notre Dame, uh, the football team, the hockey team. Um, and that was my first tattoo. Uh, and some people regret their first tattoo. I, I don't. I still watch Notre Dame hockey. I watch Notre Dame football. Uh, I, I love the, the, the Fighting Irish guy, even though I'm not Irish at all. It doesn't make any sense on that front. But as far as... As a sport, the, the first team I really fell in love with, besides the Bills and the Sabres, was the Fighting Irish. So, uh, and then one turned into two, and and then there was this culture, this vibe in the music industry of like, hey, I'm getting a tattoo, you want to come along? My buddy will tattoo you for, for free or for cheap. It's snowball. You have changed, cause I still feel the There's Goldfinger from 1995 with Here in Your Bedroom, featuring Darren Pfeiffer on drums. I'm using him as my tattoo resource for this program on rock and roll tattoos, which, like I said before, is a very big part of the mainstream now. So let's get more from Darren. Let's talk about that rock and roll culture. Now, it used to be that uh, way back in the day, only degenerates and deviants and sailors got tattoos. You know, you were in a gang, you were in the mafia. Uh, but, but somewhere along the line, and I'm not really sure where, and when uh, tattoos became mainstream, uh, became cool, and in many cases, if you're the person in a crowd without a tattoo, you're the weirdo and the outsider. Do, do you remember when that kind of happened? Yeah, probably in the early 2000s, probably 2001, 2002, at around there when tattoo shops were became easy to find. Now, if you drive down any street in any city, you're, they're like Starbucks. They're everywhere. Uh, but back in the day, back in the in the, in the mid '90s or, or even the early '80s, it was uh, it was hard to find a tattoo shop. It was they were put in city, put in areas of cities that were that were gangy, that were slummy, that were you know less desirable uh, neighborhoods of, of any given city. But uh, the culture started to change when I suppose MTV and VH1 and and other video channels became popular and you saw these guys and bands with tattoos. And then of course, you know, people that watch videos and people that follow bands want to dress like them. They want to have the same guitars that, that they play. They want to, and, and of course, tattoos became the next thing. I got to get a tattoo like the, my favorite rock star. His arms are covered. I got to have my, my arms covered. One guy who went all in when it comes to tattoos is Tim Comerford from Rage Against the Machine. He may have the biggest, most dense tattoo in the history of rock. It's a warrior-like pattern that covers his biceps, pecs, and shoulders. 
and it also extends across his entire back all the way down to some spirals on his uh, cheeks. It's almost one solid piece. It looks like he's wearing a piece of clothing. This is called a blackwork tattoo and has a history going back thousands of years. Ancient peoples used such body art to promote their identity, their loyalties, and their authority, hence the designation as a tribal tattoo. This sort of thing began seeping into tattoo culture towards the end of the 1980s, when a book called Modern Primitives was published and featured quite a bit on blackwork tattoos. They might look cool, but because so much ink is required, blackwork body art takes forever to complete. Hours and hours and hours in the chair. And the pain? We'll get to that in a second. But first, a little rage with Tim C on base. Rage Against the Machine and Bomb Track, the leadoff song from their 1992 self-titled debut album, featuring the very inked Tim Comerford on bass. Now, getting a tattoo hurts. But according to Goldfinger drummer Darren Pfeiffer, that's part of the appeal. And I'll tell you, there's something about tattoos, Alan, that when you get one, you want another. It's like a bag of chips. You just got to eat the whole damn bag when you open it up. It's a, it, it, there is some resemblance of, of addiction, safe addiction, if you will. It's the... I, could, I got tattooed. I could have got into heroin, I suppose, me being in the rock and roll world, drugs, <laughs> drugs and, and whatnot, alcoholism, but I didn't. I got into tattoos. So uh, how much do you think you've spent on tattoos? They're not cheap. No, they're not. Um, well over, well over maybe 50 grand. You're kidding. All over, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe short of that, maybe 30, 35. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and how long do you think you've spent in a chair? Another great question. <laughs> I don't know how to answer it. I, if I had to venture a guess, I would say probably a week. Wow. Seven 24-hour days, periods of, of being inked up. Because I've, I've been in a chair for three hours. I've been in a chair for one. I've been in a chair for eight uh, it, it really varies depending on the size and complexity of the tattoo or where you're getting it to. Because sometimes the elbow, for example, this you can't see it again. Just, I'm looking at your, your camera. The elbow is the most one of the most painful spots. The knee is a very painful spot. So after several minutes of being inked up right on the bone of your elbow, because if you touch your elbow, you, you, there's no meat. It's bone, a thin layer of skin and bone. So that's it sucks. Sorry to swear, but it, it really sucks. And you're biting your hat and you can only take so much before you have to take a break and then, you know, gather your wits and then go, go back in. Um, with most tattoos on the, on the arm and the leg on the back, there's this adrenaline rush. There's this endorphin rush that you get. That's why it's, I think it's addicting, Alan, because a lot of people get that rush and the pain is gone and now it's pleasurable. Now it feels good. Hmm. I've experienced that high. I've experienced that, that, that feeling of euphoria. Brendan Boyd of Incubus has a number of very intricate tattoos. Some are geometric designs. There's one on his forearm that looks like some kind of crop circle that he had done in Cleveland. But the one that attracts the most attention are the ones based on Buddhism. The mantra known as Om Mani Padma Hum, which deals with all the qualities of generosity and patience and wisdom. He has many of those tattoos. 
There's also an all-seeing eye embedded in the pyramid on his back uh, to go with a picture of an owl. There's the eye of Horus on his right ankle. There's the eye of Horus, an Egyptian thing, on his right ankle, the names of his parents, a teardrop on the index finger of both hands, and so others. Incubus, featuring the multi-tattooed frontman Brendan Boyd. More rock and roll tattoos, including Dave Grohl's story, coming up. This is a program on rock and roll tattoos. And like I said at the beginning, I know nothing about the subject. So I'm relying on experts in the field. So I called up Dave Grohl and asked him about his ink. I'm doing a story on tattoos. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your tattoos. When was the first one? Oh, God. You know, the first one, I watched um this movie that was a movie that took place in berlin in the underground punk rock scene it was a movie called christian f yes i remember that it was a great movie and i think bowie was in the soundtrack but there's a scene where the lead character this woman gives herself a tattoo and she takes a needle and she wraps thread around the end and then she dips it in ink and kind of gives herself a stick and poke. When I saw that, I was like, I can do this myself. So I went to my mother's sewing kit and I got some thread and I got the needle and I found some ink and I started giving myself a black flag tattoo. I think I was 12 or 13 years old on my forearm. And, you know, it's the, it's those four staggered bars. And if you're going to do one, that would be an easy one to start with. Imagine, but that's thick black. I got about a third of the way through it. I'm like, ow, this hurts. And I stopped. And I still have that crappy tattoo on my forearm. One of the things about tattooing is I think you build the idea up in your mind that it's going to be this really intense, painful experience, but you're doing it to brand yourself for life uh, with something that's meaningful and important. And then you realize like, you get one and you start getting one a month. You know, you're like, oh, that was easy. And then you start getting like a Donald Duck tattoo and then, you know, get drunk and put your best friend's name on your arm. So, um, but every one of them, I mean, the one tattoo that's still the most vivid and bright still to this day was a tattoo I got when I was 18 years old in a squat in Amsterdam by this Italian dude named Andrea. And his tattoo gun was made out of a doorbell machine. And it, and it is color. There's green, there's a little bit of red. And um, that tattoo is still the brightest one of them all. What's the, what's the razor blade one around your forearm or upper arm? The razor blade one. I'm not yeah. sure what you're talking about. Well, whatever the one is uh, up over here. Uh, well, okay. So, well, over here on this side, I mean, I was obsessed with John Bonham, like, mm -hmm. right, as a drummer. So I got the three circles and then I put some tribal thing over it. And then over here, actually, I was dating this girl from Bologna, Italy. I would go to Bologna and hang out with her for a couple months. She'd come to America. She worked in a tattoo shop. Her boss, it was, it was called Art Tattoo Studio in Bologna. And her boss is a dude named Marco Pisa. And he was like this Harley riding dude. And I would basically hang out in the tattoo studio all day long, rolling joints. And I would just hand him joints. And he was an incredible tattooist. He was great. So all I wanted was a tattoo from this guy. And he said, okay, I'll give you a tattoo, but you have to paint my studio. So I spent a week like painting his studio. And, um, and then he gave me another tattoo on this side. But it's funny because, you know, in the 80s, it was like, yeah, tribal tattoos. I mean, that now 
That's like wearing stonewashed jeans. (laughs) (laughs) Here's something from the Foo Fighters. There is nothing left to lose album from 1999. The cover is a black and white photo of the back of Dave's head with the Foo Fighters logo tattooed on his neck. Tattoo aficionado Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters with Learn to Fly. Back with more on the subject of rock and roll tattoos in just a sec. This show is a brief look at rock and roll tattoos. Let's go back to former Goldfinger drummer Darren Pfeiffer. He's my main source of information on this subject. Who uh, in the rock and roll world do you admire for for the ink? Oh, God, all the guys in (laughs) Corn. All those guys are super inked up. Like Fieldy and and, uh, Jonathan, They they got some really nice tattoos. Uh, Mike Herrera from MXPX has got some really nice sync as well. Mike Ness from Social Distortion has got some some really cool stuff. What do you think of uh, Travis Barker? Uh, uh, he had something uh, the other day that I read. He has 117 tattoos that he can distinguish. I should actually count two, to be honest, because I've been asked that question before about how many I have, and again, I've lost count, but I, I could sit down and, and, and map them all out if I took the time. He's got some really cool tattoos. He's got a tattoo, Can I Say, across his chest, which is this band. They're now called Field Day. I can't see my shirt. It's not a video um, interview, but it says Field Day. Field Day used to be Dag Nasty, and he's a massive Dag Nasty fan. He's got, a, I think he's got a handful of Cadillac tattoos. Yes, he does. Cause he collects Cadillacs. He has a, I believe a couple girls tattooed on him. So on his neck, his ex-wife, is, I believe is tattooed somewhere on his body. He's got something on his skull too. You know, he's he's yeah, right, yes. right from the top of his head, all the way down to his, his, uh, his toes. In fact, more than 70% of the man's body is covered with tattoos. In addition to what Darren just mentioned, Travis has a big boombox on his abdomen. He collects them as well as Cadillacs. If you look at his hands, he has self on one and made on the other, which is self-explanatory. There's a gas mask tattoo that's a nod to The Transplants, a band he formed in 2002. His children's names are there. That's Alabama and London. Oh, and speaking of family, there's a skull tattoo that covers up the name of his ex-wife, Sharon Mochler. And just below the Adam's apple, it reads, Don't Trust Anyone. Another thing about Travis, he's the survivor of a terrible plane crash back in 2008 that left him with third-degree burns all over his body. That and the subsequent skin grafts wiped out a lot of his ink. So once he healed, the new skin got new ink. There's more, a lot more, but you get the idea. Here's more from Darren on rock and roll tattoos. Who started this whole trend? Do you remember the first rock star you saw with a tattoo? And you said to yourself, I want one of those. Oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. Probably Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, I was a fan of Led Zeppelin. I was a fan of Van Halen. I don't remember any of those guys having tattoos. No, neither do I. But, but Ozzy Osbourne, for sure. He had a few tattoos early on, and I remember thinking, wow, that's cool. He, he must, he's in a rock and, an evil rock and roll band. The, I, I, the I, idea of a tattoo, that much cooler. I, I saw um, uh, on his hands, it's the first place I noticed them, but he also had them up his arms and shoulders, too. And I, I, yeah, Ozzy was probably the first guy I noticed with tattoos as well. I'm trying to think of anybody before him in the rock realm, and it's hard. 
I don't remember Robert Plant or Jimmy Page or anybody in Van Halen or anybody in Deep Purple or. And, I'm sure there were guys like you know maybe maybe Gene Vincent who who had one up on the shoulder that you never saw that he kept covered or or uh, well, again I don't know so uh, nobody's ever written history of of rock and roll tattoos so that's what we're trying to do here. Molly Crew also they also glorified tattoos. Uh, they, they, I believe they have a record called New Tattoo. Guns N' Roses sang about tattoos. Motley Crue sang about getting tattooed. Uh, so in the 80s, bands like Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, LA Guns, they glorified tattoos right up front. Right. So so the, the hair metal era was was very big into, um, into visual shock and appeal. So, you know, the hair, the makeup, the spandex, the, you know, the shoes and all the rest of it, tattoos went along with that. And uh, I remember many years ago talking to Flea about tattoos and he was a, an, an early adopter and, and he had all these places in L.A. that he would go and he had his regular guy and, and he would, uh, you know, whenever he needed something touched up or he wanted something new, you know, he would go to this guy. I believe his name was Bob Roberts. You can Google him. Bob Roberts tattoo in L.A. Very, very famous guy and a hard guy to get a, an appointment with. He's booked up years in advance. Uh, Bob Roberts Tattoo was um, one of the early tattoo shops in Los Angeles. The Chili Peppers, guys who have plenty of ink all over. Let's finish up with Darren Pfeiffer. Back in the day, it was a bit dodgy getting one because it was the quickest way to get an infection at, at the best or gangrene at the worst. But um, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, new techniques, new equipments, new inks, um, new health and safety standards, all these things conspired to help make tattoos um, more and more uh, acceptable, I guess. It is one of the more riskier trends to follow because of the health issues you mentioned, but also it's for life. Because you can become a biker, you can get a leather jacket, and you can get the boots, and you can get the helmet, and get the bike, and and, and you can become a skater, or you can become a punker, and, and have a mohawk. And as time goes on, and you get older, you can you can choose to move away from those things and become what you know an adult, so to speak, quote unquote. But with tattoos, there's once you got them, you got them, and you can you can move on to other forms of uh, you know addictions or, or, or life forms, you know, as being from an adolescence to adult and having a real, a real job, again, a quote unquote, a real job. But once you have those tattoos, they're there for life. I remember being on a cruise a number of years ago, and there was a very attractive young woman uh, by the pool and she had a, a tramp stamp and uh, it read <laughs> in Gothic letters, it read harder. Wow. Yeah, and I wow, that is the ultimate tramp stamp. Yeah, and I thought Harder. maybe not the greatest uh, way to to adorn your body, but again, personal choice, no judgment. I think I can, I think I can match it and maybe even beat it. Uh, it wasn't by the pool, wasn't on a cruise, but I've seen some tramp stamps. A lot, I've seen a lot of uh, tribal mm. art. I've seen whatever, but uh, I saw a girl once with a uh, a, a target. And inside the target were numbers like 50, 75, 100. And it was, it was about 10 inches on a, right on the small of her back. Oh, God. And you can use your imagination. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, again, 
no judgment here. We're just exploring the, the culture of, of, of tattoos. Before we're done, I want to talk about James Hetfield's tattoos. The guy from Metallica has at least 26 tats, not a lot compared to others, but they are very, very intricate. Let me give you a few examples. On his left shoulder are some flaming playing cards, an ace followed by a nine, a six, and a three. So 1963, the year he was born. So 1963, 1963, the year he was born. The flames are in reference to the time he literally caught fire because of some ill-timed pyro during a 1992 show in Montreal. Just above his right elbow are the letters CBL. Then there are some musical notes on his inner left arm. That's a transcription of the song Orion, which is in tribute to former Metallica bass player Cliff Burton, who died in a tour bus accident in 1986. CBL are Cliff's initials, and Orion was the song Cliff wrote for the band. On his right hand, you can see M81. That's M for Metallica and 81 for the year in which the band was formed. And going up a little further, there's an illustration of a fight between St. Michael and Satan. James has always had a thing for religious stories. And still with the Bible, he has Matthew 6.13 tattooed on his left wrist. That's lead us not into temptation, which most likely has something to do with his addiction issues. There's more, and each one has a story, but uh, I think you get the idea. What's the future of rock and roll tattoos? The last word goes to Darren. I think it's going to get worse. And the reason why I say it's going to get worse is because it's people now it's become trendy it's like you can go to a mall now in the middle of america and you can buy all the rock and roll clothes at at spencer or whatever the store is in your in your town and then you can go and get the shoes over at the rock and roll shoes and then right next to it there's tattoo parlors inside malls now so you can walk out and be fully rock and roll from head to toe including the fresh shank at your local at your local um, mall in any city in America, it's it, it's it's going to get worse. And uh, there is a part of me, Alan, to be honest, that's that thinks, you know, it's not it's not I'm not uh, I'm not special anymore. There was a short period of short period of time because from the time I started getting tattooed to it became mainstream in in the early two thousands. Uh, it was like, oh, that guy's tattooed. Wow, cool. Look at him. Well, well, tell me a story about this. Tell me a story about that. But now you, you can, every, everyone has a tattoo. It's, not, it's very common. So I guess with that in mind, Alan, we got to get you tattooed. <laughs> yeah, I've managed to make it through my entire life without getting anything on me anywhere because I've never really understood it. Um, so this is why I'm asking you all these questions, because if you don't know, go to the source. Family, uh, you know, tattoos like family, dates. I got my, I got my, my mother. Uh, I, I got my father. I got my family. I got... Uh, I'm going to get my dog when my dog passes away several years from now, I might add. I'm going to get my, my two dogs tattooed on me somewhere. And I'm in my early 50s. I'm 52, and I haven't stopped. I, I'm making plans to get more tattoos. Because, again, once you get bit by that bug and once you get that, that addiction and you're, and you're safe about it, and you go to a, a, um, a safe guy or girl about it, it, it just, you just kind of keep running. Luckily for me, Alan, my, cut, my uh, nephew, Nick, Nicholas Pfeiffer has started a tattoo parlor in Buffalo. And whenever I go to Buffalo, I get a, a, a fresh set of ink from him free of charge. Well, that's kind of handy, keeping it all in the family. <laughs> it helps because they are expensive. 
There is obviously a lot more to be covered on the subject of rock and roll tattoos, especially when it comes to the kind of ink musicians have. Eddie Vedder has a bunch, including some that proclaim his environmental activism. Henry Rollins' body is quite the palette, and Marilyn Manson has a ton. And we haven't even touched on women. Brody Dahl of the Distillers, Courtney Love, Amy Winehouse, and so many more. This has been an education for me because I was so out of my depth on anything to do with tattoos. So thanks again to Dave Grohl and Darren Pfeiffer for helping me out. Podcasts for all these shows are available through all the platforms. Just download and go. More music news at my website, ajournalofmusicalthings.com. Make sure you get the free newsletter. And give me a follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Email can go to alan at alancross.ca. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. We'll talk to you next time. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts.